Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. You know, there was a time in this country when we trained, equipped, and sent missionaries into the far reaches of the world as witnesses for Christ. Their success was astounding. But now we see the Islamic faith making huge inroads into the people groups of what we refer to as the 1040 window. And these same nations are sending their Islamic practices into the Western nations. And as they do so, we can see the Christian faith weakening here. In fact, They refer to us as the great Satan. Does that shock you? It shouldn't, because we've let our faith in God and in Jesus slip to the point where immorality runs rampant in this nation. This nation is the number one promoter of pornography, drugs, and all that in the whole world. So much so that now other nations that we used to minister to and, and establish the Christian faith in their nations, they're looking at us saying, They need to hear the gospel now. Amen. Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. But in that light, I want you to, I want to bring someone to you today who's still faithful and reaching across other cultures, sharing her faith with people of other faiths. Karen Bajani grew up in America's heartland, basically unaware of the faiths and other cultures around the world. She was a successful businesswoman climbing the corporate ladder of success. Then, In 2011, she and her husband, Renaud, launched I Hope Ministries. I Hope Ministries comes alongside the church to inspire and empower people every day, everyday Christians, to share their faith with people of other faiths. Amen? And through the efforts of I Hope Ministries, thousands of people have become Jesus followers across this entire planet. God is making an extraordinary impact through ordinary Christians and doing it through I Hope Ministries. Kara is also the author of a great book, The Blue Cord, Connecting Your Faith with Purpose. She also hosts a podcast by the same name, and the ministry also has some training materials and courses that they offer as well. Help me welcome to the program, Karen Bajani. Karen, thank you for taking the time to come on the program today to share all about your ministry and this great book. I do appreciate your time. It is a joy to be here together with your with your listeners. Thank you for inviting me. Now, the first question I always start with is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Karen Bajani? So what a great question. So Karen Bajani is someone who is all about helping all of our federal fellow believers know God and help make him known. And that's the thing. That's my mission and my purpose in life. To help know God and make him known. Amen. Amen. Now, your husband was a Christian living in a Muslim country. Share a little bit about his upbringing and some of the persecutions that he had to endure. Yeah, my husband grew up in the in the America, in the Middle East and North Africa and he was raised in a Christian family, actually born in Baghdad, Iraq to a Lebanese family. 
And his mother had become a born again evangelical Christian in that nation. And Renaud grew up as a young boy watching his mother share her faith across faiths and cultures in a place and a time when it was not safe to do so. And Renaud, inspired by that, would go out onto the front step of their apartment complex and preach Jesus as much (laughs) as he possibly could. And as a four-year-old, that got him uh, kidnapped, tortured, persecuted. And that continued as he and his family moved throughout the Middle East and North Africa into Libya, Baghdad, and ultimately back, he found himself at war um, in Lebanon with the, when Christians were fighting Muslims as a 10-year-old. And oh just goodness. imagine being in the streets of um, uh, the Middle East and a ground war. And so growing up for many years, he just thought that kind of persecution was part of life. And it wasn't until he was 10 when he realized when he was getting kind of beat up and tortured yet again, that people were calling him infidel. And for the first time, he he connected all the dots to realize what it meant to be an infidel growing up in an Islamic world nations. And so through that journey, he came to hate uh, Muslims and and just thought if God were real, none of that kind of persecution would have happened to him. And so miraculously came to the United States as an international student um, around the time that that America was at odds with Iran and the Iran hostage crisis. Many Americans at that time in his in high school and into college years thought he must be Iranian, you know. Um, and so then he felt persecution here as well. And um And so he walked away from his faith entirely and felt, truly, if God was real, none of this would have happened to me. And it wasn't until he um, married and had kids of his own that he began, his, his mother, his dear mother, who had this beautiful faith all along, began to talk to his sons about Jesus. And so my husband set out to refute that. Um, with his sons. And then that process came to follow after Jesus again. And so now he likes to say, I'm serving the God I once denied, loving the very people that I once hated. And so it's interesting to me, um, when Renaud was growing up in the Middle East at war with Muslims, I didn't even know they existed kind of growing up in America's heartland. Because to your point, I grew up at a time in America when um, about 97% of Americans identified as Christian. So all my friends were either Baptist or Methodist, and I, I never even imagined people of other faiths or cultures. So it was fun how the Lord brought us together for such a time as this to inspire and empower everyday believers like me how to share Jesus with people who have a faith we don't quite understand. How did his story affect you when you first heard it? Oh, that's such a great question, because when uh, I first met Renaud and and heard his story, he really was the catalyst in my own journey, my own faith journey, because shortly, one of the first things he did when we were dating was he took me to an ethnic, ethnic market for the perfect pita bread. And I don't know about you, but I thought pita bread was what came in like Kroger or Tom Thumb. I would just buy this pita bread. And he assured me that is not authentic Lebanese pita. (laughs) So we went to a Middle Eastern market 
And in that process of walking through the Middle Eastern market, I realized that I was one of the few women in that market who did not have a hijab on. And I didn't even realize that that market was within just a 30 minute drive of where I lived. I didn't even know that all of these people from other facing cultures lived within the suburbs just a few minutes from me. So as we were walking through that market, Renaud, I was just taking in all of the scents and sights and, and sounds, and it was completely foreign to my own Kruger or Tom Thumb. And I got separated from Renaud in the sea of people. And all of a sudden, I, I panicked a little bit to think, you know, I ran into a woman with a burqa um, and she just stared at me and I didn't know what to say. And I was just I felt this incredible sense of fear. And I, in the, for a moment, I felt the Lord saying, I did not give you the spirit of fear. And I wrestled with the Lord in my mind to say, um, but Lord, I, I'm just a small town kid from the farm. You know, who am I to be sharing Jesus with people like this who are so much so different than me? And in that process, it was like he said, um, love them, love them in words, actions and deeds. And I didn't have any idea what that looked like or how to do that practically. And so that was one of the early starts to my own journey to to realize um, my role and to help pointing people from other faiths and nations to Jesus here. Yeah, amen. Amen. That's, you know, having spent my time overseas uh, in the military, I'm familiar with the feeling that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and it's like, what am I supposed to do now? You know, yeah. And, and amen, amen. And from what I understand, your husband realized that you know the Middle East, North Africa, where it shifted from basically a, a Christian heritage to ninety nine percent Muslim. Yeah. But that wasn't all. He not only lived in those areas, but he started seeing the trend in Western nations drifting in that direction as well. Just as I alluded to in the opening, is that correct? Right. Right, absolutely. So when when he was a kid, the in in the country or in the nation of Lebanon, the percentage of Christians was about what the percentage of, of people who say they're Christian is in the U.S. right now. So right now in the United States, about sixty three percent of Americans identify as Christian. That's according to Pew Research just a couple of years ago. And so that's about how many people identified as Christians in Lebanon when he was a kid. And so certainly today, that number is far, far smaller. And we see this trend happening throughout Western nations, certainly in Europe and Germany and France uh, and nations around the country. And so for, for believers like us, it really is a wake-up call for us to say, um, this is this is a time where we have to be about our father's business as long as we can in shining the light and the hope of Jesus across these faiths and cultures. Amen. Now, your background was not in ministry, as you said. No. What was the impetus that the Lord used to actually get you started doing what you're doing right now in ministry? Yeah, so my career was in corporate America, so I was very successful at leadership development and strategic growth for companies, and uh, and through this journey for Renaud taking me through ethnic grocery stores, then he took me to the Middle East, that really stretched me outside of my comfort zone, the Lord began to break my heart with compassion for people who did not know him. And I began to realize these families that the Lord is bringing here to the U.S., whether they are Muslim or Hindu or 
were Buddhists, they are raising up their children to follow after God as they know him. And they're working really hard at it. And that, and that, so they're, they're, imagine this, they're striving really hard to make it to heaven in their own way. And they don't know about Jesus. They've never been told this. And sometimes we forget that they don't know. And so through that time, I began to meet women from many different faiths and cultures who did come to faith in Jesus. And I began to realize how hungry they were to know him and how it just absolutely transformed their lives so much so that they were willing to follow Jesus no matter the cost. And that made me begin to wonder and to question, do I have that kind of faith? Do I have a faith that's worth sharing no matter what? And so Renaud took me to the Middle East. And one of the first things that happened was we jumped in a taxi or I jumped in a taxi with a, with a Syrian refugee and it was in the back seat of the taxi. She was in the front. It was a rainy night in Beirut and our driver was Muslim. And the first thing she said to him was, Hey, do you know Jesus? And I'm in the back seat of that taxi. And it was the first time in my whole life I had ever heard anyone share the gospel outside of church. And I was in my forties and that, but, but what I was thinking was, oh my gosh, we're going to die. We are going to die. She is sharing. She's asking this Muslim man if he knows Jesus. But then once I calmed down and that fight or flight syndrome went away, I heard her share the gospel with this Muslim taxi driver and he didn't know Jesus. He responded back. No, I don't know him. Tell me about him. By the time we got to our destination, she was swapping phone numbers with him so she could connect him with some believers in his neighborhood. Now, as I watched her do that, I thought that would never happen in America. I would never do that. No one I know is doing that. No one I know is sharing the gospel period, let alone across faith and cultures. And then, uh, But that was kind of a seed planted in my own journey. I certainly did not imagine myself doing such a thing. Fast forward, fast forward just a few years later, I landed, I was still in corporate America, landed on a flight in in LAX in Los Angeles, busy flight. I took a Uber driving back to my home about an hour and I popped, jumped in that Uber and I realized my driver was probably Muslim. And he asked me um, a few questions and I discerned in that process, he was probably Muslim. So at this point, I had enough skill that I could just tee up and say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. And he said, I I don't know much about Jesus. Would you tell me about him? All of a sudden, it was like this flashback to that taxi ride in Beirut. And I knew what to say to him. And by the time he delivered me in my cul-de-sac, he said, would you pray? that God's Holy Spirit would reveal to me the truth about Jesus. And so we prayed in our cul-de-sac when he dropped me off at the house. And so what we have to realize is that there are people all around us who are hungry to know about Jesus. We just have to be intentional ambassadors for Christ in our every life. Amen. Amen. Uh, So you weren't always this outspoken and courageous. It it was an evolving thing. Yeah. I think one of the greatest challenges for us uh, everyday believers is to realize that we often think that we have to have perfect words and we have to have perfect process and we have to know everything about all these other faiths and cultures before we open our mouth for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what I've come to realize is that no one come to, can come to Jesus apart from the Father yeah. and the Holy Spirit. 
And so the, the Lord is the one that woos people to himself. All we have to do is be instruments in his hands and look and see where he's at work and just have a few little tiny skills to start conversations and just be sensitive to where the Holy Spirit is at work. Amen. Share with us some of the, the teachings and outreaches of I Hope ministry sponsors and things like that, that you help get the word out into the world. Yeah. So I want to share with you two things. So one is we have a women's initiative called the Blue Cord. And it really is about, for, for because women are uniquely suited we hold the keys of the faith of the next generation. Mm. And so when we are taking our kids to soccer practice and when we're grocery shopping and when we're in the park with our kids and we, our kids are friends in public schools with, and their friends are Hindus, Buddhists, and Muslims. And mm. so we have to realize now, how do we as moms role model for our kids, sharing our faith across cultures? That really was inspired by a conversation I had with my 10-year-old who came in and said, hey, mom, my friend Muhammad is Muslim. He believes in God. Why do I need to tell him about Jesus? And so uh, this keeps me up at night for all the moms who have kids in public schools, who friends are Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims. It's imperative that we as moms help our kids understand our Christian faith and how yeah. to authentically share it across faith and culture. So that's the blue cord. Yeah, amen. Amen. The other, the other uh, program that I want to share is called ethnos. Ethnos is just a Greek word for nations, mm -hmm. as in God's brought the nations here. So what are some simple ways we can be authentic witnesses around our everyday lives? So ethnos is just a, a, a simple Bible study class, seven, seven week class that churches run for their whole congregations to help congregations just learn those simple ways to live as practically as authentic witnesses around our daily life. Amen. Amen. It's important to understand that, you know, not everyone is evil. I mean, not right. everyone truly understands what their faith really represents. What mm -hmm. should we know about people of other faiths who are living here among us mm -hmm. here in the United States that you've learned over the years? Yeah, my husband likes to say that, you know, out of, of so let's just talk about Muslims for a second, because this is really what's in the news right now. Mm -hmm. Out of all of our Muslim friends that are here, they, the majority, I would say about 80% came here. They are truth seekers. Mm -hmm. They're working very hard to follow God as they know him and raise up their families to do the same. They want the American dream for their kids and for their families. So, for example, my neighbors, my next door neighbors are here from a, a nation in the Middle East, and their two daughters are going to the university, and they are just pursuing the American dream. About 10% of Muslims are very secular, just like Christians who are secular. They're all about, you know, all about the American dream. They don't really practice their faith. They're really, um, they're really just trying to, to amass wealth, right? And so that's about 90% of Muslims that are here. There is about 10% we would consider that really radical element. And so those are the ones that we see in the news right now happening in the Holy Land. And so so we, we when we're engaging with our um, neighbors of other faiths and cultures, it's important to realize that they're striving after God as they know him. And they're raising their family to do that to the best of their ability. And they 
Some of them are doing it more secular than others, depending, depending on what nation, um, what sect of, of their religion that they are. The commonalities is they're just trying to raise their kids yeah. and, and have, you know, have a family just like us. Yeah. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your book. What mm -hmm. motivated you to write and publish the Blue Chord at this time and why now? Yeah. So I never set out to write a book. Uh, but over a period of time, many friends and my husband kept saying to me, you're going to write a book. And I, and I kicked and kicked against it. And then when I finally said, okay, Lord, I'll write a book. I gathered together my group of what I would call my chicken list people to speak into it. These were women I respected and admired and they were going to come alongside me. And so I, I wrote an outline and they said to me, this is not it, Karen. Go back, seek the Lord and fast and pray and he'll guide you. And so as I did that process, fasting, seeking the Lord, following after him, I was doing a study in the Old Testament and I came across a passage in Numbers 1537. And it seemed to shiver, shimmer in the page when it talked about the, the Israel had messed up again. And the Lord said to Moses, like, oh. Make for tell the Israelites to make for themselves a tassel with a cord of blue so that every time they see it, they'll remember who I am, who they are in me, and what I called them to do. I'm paraphrasing. But that word blue seemed to shimmer on the page. And I know that when that happens, it's just a, a something that says to me, stop and pay attention, dive into those commentaries. And as I did, I found um, deep and wide and rich uh, uh iconic symbolism behind that blue tass blue corded tassel and i realized that was a call for us today as christians in our generation to realize and remember who god is who we are in him and what he called us to do and so from that i began to do a ton of research lots of focus groups with wholehearted christian women across north america just to say uh, what holds you back from sharing your faith what do you think about sharing your faith across people of other facing cultures and time and again, those wholehearted women shared, I'm not, no one I know is talking about this. I see the nations, but I, I would never do anything like that. I can't do it. I couldn't do it alone. Certainly I don't have the skill. I don't have the confidence. I'm too busy, you know, all of those things. And, and I began to realize it was a call for all of us, all of our, all of us to say, if God is who he says he is, and we are in him who he tells us, then the one thing he told us to do was to go be fruitful and multiply. And he didn't just mean kids. He right. meant to shine right. and point people to him. And so this is a rallying cry for believers throughout the West that this is the time for us to, especially at a time when so many people are full of anxiety and hopelessness, we have the answer. Amen. We have the transformative answer that people are looking for. And the question is, will we bring people to him? What does your book, The Blue Cord, help readers to accomplish as mm -hmm. they read your book? I've had many, many readers say to me that The Blue Cord began, became just a catalyst in their own heart change. Amen. Because when you grow up, especially in North American and Western nations, we have this level of comfort and security and safety, and we're doing all the good Christian things. We are doing the Bible study. We uh, over and over and over, we are um, gathering together with friends and we tend to be in our own safe bubbles doing all the church things. And so 
women who've gone through the study and taking in the study together with friends have said that it has just transformed their heart to, to be about our father's business and to realize what our purpose is here on earth really. And, and it really, I completely understand because that was my own journey. I, I was in a place where I thought I was doing all the good Christian girl things. And at the end of the day, I was being self-sufficient, not God dependent. And as I began to shift and become God dependent and point people to him, then my life was just transformed with great joy and purpose. And my huge corporate role as a senior executive in corporate America, it, it, it paled in comparison to having this kingdom minded focus on um, pointing people, transforming lives really for eternity. Amen. And I also read that you have a, a blue cord study uh, through I hope mm -hmm. ministries share a little bit about that project and what you accomplished with it. Yeah. So, so, in all of the research, what I came to realize among women of other facing or Christian women here in the U.S. and men, by the way, as well, is that we all view sharing our faith, especially across facing cultures, as something that is risky and countercultural. And I could never do it. And so if those were our thoughts, if we're thinking this is risky, countercultural, and I could never do it, especially if none of my friends are thinking about or talking about it, then how likely are we to be sharing Jesus with intention in our daily life? Yeah. Well, not at all, not at all. And so what I realized is through community of, of like-minded women, where it was a safe place for us to say, none of us is an evangelist. None of us knows how to do any of this, but we can walk through this journey together and become bolder and more courageous. And that really is what women are finding when they walk through the blue cord study together, they become bolder and more courageous. And in the process, they, their walk with the Lord becomes stronger and they bring other, other women into the community as well. So what I'm seeing is, is the Lord is building this, this community of blue cord women who are changing the way everyday Christian women certainly think and feel about sharing their faith, period, especially across cultures. And you have a podcast, Blue Core Podcast. How long have you been doing the podcast? And, and share with us about your podcast. Yeah. So I'm in the middle of season five right now. Praise really God. started po podcasting in 2019. And the podcast walks alongside, it, it really serves to amplify the Blue Cord study. So there are stories of former Hindus, Muslims, and Buddhists who've come to faith in Christ, because we all need to hear those testimonies to realize God is at work in miraculous yeah. and powerful ways. And there are also stories of everyday believers like me who have begun to practice in community living life as an authentic Christian witness and just stories of what that looks like practically when I go to the grocery store or when I am in the park. Uh, and so that we can all begin to see ourselves in God's story yeah. and being about his business in the way he'd like us to be. Amen. Is this an interview podcast or? How, how, what's the form? It's an interview podcast. Yeah. Amen. Interview Praise podcast, God. just like this. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. Karen, this is so interesting. And and God bless you and your husband for the work that you're accomplishing for the body of Christ. I mean, it's, it truly is impressive and, and definitely needful in, in the day and time in which we live right now. If, mm -hmm. if someone wanted to purchase your book, how can they do that? Is it on Amazon? Yeah. They can look for the blue cord anywhere they purchase books online. So. Amen. Amen. And mm -hmm. if someone wanted to reach out to you to, 
ask a question or receive more information or maybe do an interview like this? How can they do that? How can someone get in touch with you? Yeah, just look to the, for the blue cord, C-O-R-D dot org and email Karen at ihopeministries.org. Amen. Amen. I'll put links to all this in the show notes below. Praise God. Folks, right. as we started this episode, we discussed how people of other faiths have impacted the Christian heritage of our nation, the United States, mm-hmm. and that we need more ministries like I Hope Ministries that, to take their rightful place and, and reverse the trend. And instead of all the feel-good messages and the kumbaya feelings they invoke, we need to do what Jesus told us to do go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the world does not just mean other nations. It's your coworkers. It's your neighbors. It's your barber, your hairdresser. It's a cashier at the grocery store, your car mechanic. Amen. I urge you drop down in the show notes, reach out to Karen, do it right now while you're thinking about it. Amen. And be sure to click the links there to order her book and be sure to receive information on the courses they offer. Be sure to listen and subscribe to her podcast. Glory to God. And, and this book will help embolden you to let go of any doubt or fear about sharing your faith in a carnal culture, especially in this cancel culture that we live in now. Praise God. Instead, focus on practical ways to let your light shine for Jesus Christ. Amen. And all the links are right there in the show notes. Praise God. Karen, thank you again for coming on the program today. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Folks, that's all the time we have for today. Care of Johnny and myself is Pastor Bob Romani. Be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.